and welcome back to another awaited episode from subtitles required i am one of your hosts um john ramos also known as big boss 117 and as well i have here my other host from from you know from a lot of podcasts that we that we do together uh i have here alejandro orengo good evening everybody or good morning i don't know wherever whenever you're watching this or hearing exactly, us, or hearing us. <laughs> so um orengo we've been mentioning about this um uh episode for so long but due yes. to a lot of things uh, you know we're we're adults so it's kind of hard plus not only that we do um uh, like what two billion podcast every week 2.5 billion exactly so it's really it's really cool that you know you are in different other podcasts i am appearing in different other shows as well so it's really great so people can enjoy um content out there and our knowledge in um different areas of cinema so today orengo we're going to talk about i think this movie um who chose it was it me or you I think I chose it this time. You chose it? Okay. Yes, sir. So uh, we're, we're going to be talking about today. Um, the movie called Roma uh, is directed by Alfonso Cuarón. And as well, he's um, he's the writer of the film. Uh, Orengo, what is the synopsis of the film? <clears throat> Roma is a... I'm going to repeat that. <clears throat> Roma is a 2018 black and white drama. Written directed by Alfonso Cuarón. Um, it was set in the 1970s and 71. It follows the life of a living housekeeper in the middle class family. As a semi-autobiographical take on Cuarón's upbringing in Colonia Roma, neighborhood of Mexico City. The film starts Yalitza Aparicio and Marina de Tavira. Yeah, I, this this film is really, really cool really interesting i really did like it um just for our listeners this film is completely in black and white um there's a lot of i would say that this is i think you mentioned it to us uh not to us to me uh while we were in backstage that you felt that this is was more like an auto like a biography film yes and Uh, I actually would say that I did have that same feeling with the film. Um, the good thing is that this film did appear in select cinemas and um, it did appear on Netflix fully uh, on December 14th of 2018. Um, the movie has a runtime of two hours and 15 minutes. And as well, let's go ahead like we always do at the beginning before we start our discussion. Um In Rotten Tomato, it has a solid 96%, so it's certified fresh. Um, in Rotten Tomato, with a 72% of the audience score. And um, in that small gap of um, having being in cinema, it did $1,140 million. million. My bad. I, I, I always read these numbers so wrong. <laughs> so, so if, if the movie... I remember it in the movie. I did remember this film being in the theaters here in um, in Puerto Rico. Yep. Uh, I I never I didn't get the chance to go to the to the movie theater to watch it. I saw today. it in the movie theaters. I, I actually am so sad because these are these type of movies that I say that uh, mm-hmm. I missed out the experience. I yeah. missed it out, and I, and when I saw it, when I saw it in in my house i was like wow this this should have been such an amazing film uh in in the theater like again uh this film uh, i actually do love it a lot so so orengo what is something that you want to talk about this film first well I'll give my overall impressions um yeah i saw it in the movie theaters because i was like eagerly awaiting uh Cuaron's next film because the the film previous to this one i believe was gravity which was, you know, that sci-fi movie where Sandra Bullock is lost in space, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he took a long gap between that movie <clears throat> and Roma. And Roma felt like a more personal film, a more simpler film. It was very methodical. I love the cinematography, obviously. He also was his own cinematographer, which is very interesting because I'm pretty sure he wanted to work with Lubeski. 
But my guess is that probably Lubeski was working with Iñárritu at that point. Probably. I know there was a there was a, there was probably a scheduling issue mm-hmm. where Lubeski couldn't help him out, even though he's already helped him out previously with uh, Gravity. Uh, you know, the the performances are are very amazing. They're very subdued. They're very minimalistic. It's a movie that watching in a movie theater, it, it feels like you're watching a family grow up and you're watching a woman pass through trials and tribulations throughout this one year in her life and how it affects her and how it changes her and how life can be sometimes very cruel and very beautiful as a result. And I think he captured that very well. So I really do love his, this work. I dare to say it's probably his best film. Um, you know, I know that he also, beyond um, Gravity, which is also a phenomenal film, he did Children of Men. He did one of the Harry Potter movies. Um, he also did Itu Mama Tambien, which is, it's a very rough film to watch. It's very, it's a very powerful film. It's very, it has a very surprising ending, but I would, I would venture to say that Roma probably is his masterpiece at this point. Honestly, uh, no doubts in my mind. So yeah, it's it's pretty phenomenal. What do you think, John, about Roma? Well, I actually do think that this film was very uh, amazing. It touched everything that was very popular in the seventies um, for a. Mm-hmm. For a family like this, a middle class family, because when you see when you see um, the the father that is with the kid, the father is a doctor in in Mexico, and he does he gives out like these excuses that he travels a lot, and 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 then you see all of these hits that the family starts getting over and over again, mm-hmm. and. And then not only you see the family like get hit, you you have um, uh, Jalitza's uh, Aprisio's character, mm-hmm. um, Cleo, that she goes through through um, through something as well. And the thing is that it's very he um, he captured um, Guadon captured that feeling of like you being uh, at least I, I was not in the theater, so I was yeah. at my house, but. I saw it sitting down um, in in one of my office chairs and that feeling me sitting down and just every moment it's like a moment that you that you're like wow like he captured those feelings mm-hmm. of each and one of like the children the housewife um the two maids that it was mother and daughter yeah they, she, he captured it so well and then not only that when we go like more more in depth of what happens between between father and mother it, he captures that that as well and mm-hmm. it's like wow like you know Cuaron did he, he he just did you know he captured the film and the good and one of the things that I admire because this is one of the things that we don't see that much again in in cinema is films that are black and white yeah you know i know that we got that treatment with um with logan yeah. uh we got the monochromatic feeling uh treatment with mad max there's there's and a couple you know there's and a this, couple and then um, the one that won the the academy award a few years back the artist usually oh, yeah. usually when 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 utilizing black and white nowadays it it's trying to evoke a sense of nostalgia in, um, there's this film that's going to come out soon called Belfast which is directed by Kenneth Branigan Kenneth Branigan is the you've seen him when when you google this man you know who he is you've seen him before as an actor but he's also a director he uh, directed the first Thor movie <laughs> it's kind of silly okay. he's also directed a lot of uh, theater adaptations and he's also directed uh, the the train movie the mystery train movie uh, uh murder in the orient express the okay. remake that you know that he's also a detective right well he's also a director of of that movie so he did belfast which i think is also kind of like semi-biographical i believe i gotta check on that but it's it was also shot in black and white so there's a couple of uh 
more recent outings uh, that utilize black and white, but like you said, it's very scarce. It's not something that's done all the time. Mm-hmm. It's very purposeful. Last weekend, I saw the French Dispatch, which also utilized uh, black and white aesthetics. Although I think in that sense, uh, that film utilized it because it wanted to portray the feeling of reading pages from a book. Since you know a page is white and yeah. the, the the black ink is, you know, black, the thing you're reading. So in my head, I, I didn't think it was more of a nostalgia thing because since the film's thesis is about a a magazine journalist talking about different aspects of culture, um, I treated the black and white segments as if you're reading from pages from a book. So it is used sparingly as you said um, yeah even even mank remember mank yes, mank is in black and white but exactly. mank is actually uh you know citizen kane is in black and white as well exactly yep so, so it, it has a purpose exactly. it's very purpose when it's when it's used nowadays it's very purposeful there has to be meaning behind it mm-hmm. a lot of directors don't don't try to dabble in the black and white anymore because people tend to find it a little boring visually which is ridiculous to me but it is what exactly. it is. Exactly. I agree. It's really ridiculous because like like I mentioned to you backstage, I saw both 47 Ronin films. Yeah. And I enjoyed those films like like so much. And I wish that I could like sit down. Like, you know, I just wish that I could ha- I would have like a TARDIS and just go back in those times and just sit down in one of those um theaters and just enjoy a black and white film like back in the day you know it should be it should be great and amazing uh but i really do love this film um again Mm -hmm. uh it's something that that it, it it captured it captured every feeling that that i had in my mind while watching this film you know yeah but one of the things that i think that one of the characters that resonated a lot besides obviously um senora sofia that's um marina de tavira's character yeah is cleo yeah cleo is one of the characters that i think that you i know that she's the one that you follow throughout Mm -hmm. the film yeah it's her always her perspective exactly everything is always her perspective Mm -hmm. but one of the things that 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 like kept me in shock, like from that point till the end, is when Cleo says to to Senora Sofia that mm-hmm. she's pregnant, yeah, and she has that fear that they're gonna kick her out. Mm-hmm. But then you see how how the how Sofia and I never never knew was the what was the 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 old lady in the film senora teresa yeah uh, was she her her grand her mother or was it mother of the of the husband it was sofia's mother so sofia's mother okay mm-hmm. yeah so i like the fact that sofia accepts cleo and then Teresa accepts Cleo and then Teresa's trying to like prepare the fact that Cleo's gonna have a baby. Yep. And and she's like, oh, we're gonna get you everything. So don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the money that you win working with us, it's like that you can buy food and 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 whatnot. And but we're gonna get everything from for your baby. Yeah. One of the things that I did not expect it by the by what happened to Cleo was oh yeah is the fact well I have two things my bad so the first one is the fact that they added that Guaron added that it was in those times and not only in those times it happens still now the fact that you have um the boyfriend mm-hmm. the this super alpha sexist piece of crap sex, exactly <laughs> yes yeah um you have him of being a sexist being um like oh because i am a a macho man i i don't have kids now 
Yeah. And he leaves her on the side of the road mm-hmm. when she took like, I don't know, like back in those times, I think to get to point A to point B, it's like probably a ho- almost half a day. Yeah. And when he confront when she confronts him, he's like, oh, that's not my baby. Yeah. And if you keep saying that, I am going to kill you. I was so mad. Yeah. I was I I wanted to go in the screen and just beat the living crap out of him, man. Like it's a constant. Literally. It's a it's one of the constant. Well, it's one of the the many themes that the, this movie explores: the idea yeah. of abandonment, the the idea of especially male abandonment. Mm-hmm. The movie is filled with a lot of powerful female characters, a lot of characters that have to persevere because of the times that they lived in where men they they got away with anything you know there was no repercussions for their horrible decision making and how these women have to navigate this world that's ruled by men and it's dominated by men and if you do anything to to like turn the tides of the power dynamics you will get screwed over like you know just like cleo got screwed over with her boyfriend or you know sort of lover because she was it was barely a boyfriend sofia got screwed over too with her with uh, antonio which was the husband the the very absent husband who was never there and at the end of it he just left you know so it's 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 one of those themes explored in the film Mm -hmm. where you know, you just have to persevere and you can't depend on anybody. You you can't you can have some dependency on people because obviously Cleo depended a lot on Sophia and Sophia helped her. But it teaches you that life can be cruel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Life, Especially life. the sequence with uh Cleo when when you know she finally gives birth and, and it's a stillborn baby, which is the most it's obviously the most tragic scene in the whole film. Yes. Yeah, it, it was very powerful. It was too real, way too real. When I saw it in the movie theater, I was bawling. I was like, "Oh my god, are you really? Are you really going to show me every single detail of what's happening?" It's, it was just very, it was very strong. It was a very powerful scene, and mm-hmm. it truly, she gave such an amazing performance. It was truly affecting me the way that how she reacted to the baby, how everything was set up in that sequence because it was all like a one one very long take. So it yes. felt very real. There was no way to, not to fake it per se, but what I mean is um, it was happening in the moment in your face. There was no cutaways. You were just, you you were, you were grabbed as an audience member. You were grabbed and you were shook and you were like, you were going to see this. I'm going to pry your eyes open and you have to see what you're seeing and there's no way around it. You can't cut away. You can't run away. You just have to see this real harrowing experience unfold in front of your face. So, yeah. No, yeah. And not only that, like you have even um, you have most of the family is in the hospital as well. Yes. And at the same time, when she loses the baby, she mourns her baby and the family mourns the baby. Yep. It's like a, a a repercussion. Like, okay, so Cleo lost her kid, Symbiotic. her child, and it and it, there was this repercussion where the mm-hmm. family got affected as well. Because in the whole film, you see that Cleo has a very big connection with um with with Paco mm-hmm. and with um and with Pepe, the the two kids, the two yep. boys. Yeah. And due to that repercussion, you see that she like puts them on the side. Mm-hmm. Due to, to to how hurt she is, and and then Sophia get, goes ahead and is like, "Oh, you know what? Like, I, I know that we're all hurt, but we're going on a vacation. Even even though the vacation had another meaning to the reason why they left. Yeah, but it's how." It's how this film is. It was created. It's like it does not give you a chance to breathe. Mm-hmm. You get hit by hit by hit in 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 all the film. Yeah, and it's like you try to get that breather, but but Guarong is like, no, 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 you're not gonna breathe. You're no. gonna just suffer through the whole film. Yeah, 
you know, there's no there's no light behind the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the other things that um, you did mention, the other thing that got me shocked in the film, that is um, Cleo's uh, scene with with the baby. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about what happens before that, that it's the... Um, was it the revolution we we can call it okay yeah the you mean the protestings yeah the protestings which is something that actually obviously happened yeah it takes a lot the film is you know it's semi-autobiographical but he does i love i love the idea of this lived in world where you know we're following cleo but the world around her is a uh it's also a character. You know what I mean? Like there's also char- there's there's people outside the frames that just have their life. You know, there's mm-hmm. scenes where she's just walking around the town and you know there's life around it. And you know there's scenes where she's um they're walking outside their house and you hear the little sounds in the morning, the little yeah. whistles, the little bicycle clicks, everything. The sound design is really rich because you can you can feel there's a world around Cleo, but you're very focused in her journey. And like you mentioned, there's this there's this protest that's been lingering for a while in the film, and the climax of that is the scene that you're gonna mention right now. No, yeah. So, uh, so throughout the throughout this before the scene that we mentioned, it's Cleo losing the baby. Yes. So there's this um full scene where there where is um Cleo, Teresa, and I think the driver was there as well, where they're just you know in in their local like um what would you call it uh I say it in Spanish muebleria. <laughs> um, where you're at, where they're at their local place where they look at like beds and cribs and and whatnot, and out of like a skip of the second, the whole um, Mexico turns to a war zone, like literally. Uh, you see yeah. the police going against the protesters. Shots are being fired. People that are innocent are are getting shot at as well. Mm-hmm. Um, people that other people thought they were not protesting they were protesting and they were not in the right crowd like you have that sense of those couple of seconds where you see Leo happy and in a, and and just in in one second everything turns around yeah. but one of the scenes that I'm like mostly impactful is when she sees her her ex um lover yeah with a gun pointing it at her and he not even batting an eye because he he is there like Mm -hmm. you know i'm here protesting or trying to save my my people so whatever happens i you might die today yeah and, and that that whole scene, like, again, it's it's what I'm saying. You know, Guaron didn't give us a chance because the scene goes from from framing the the pro the whole protest, yeah. from framing the whole protest to seeing people dying, to seeing people getting shot, to seeing even police uh police getting shot at as well. You know, that whole scene that said it's that is that moment where 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 you f- you get that feeling like okay so this is not this is not going the right path is is the main character going to survive yes or no yeah and and the thing is that like like you mentioned this is an event that did happen in real life mm-hmm. you know and it's one of the things that i actually did love about the film that when you see that that scene you notice that it's it's a movie that is contemporary with with things that happened you know yeah and from there i think that one of the other scenes that it's on the same track maintaining us in the same track of like how cleo from how cleo transitioned from being a mother to being uh a, w- a woman that had lost her child 
yeah. you even see Senor Antonio trying to be a good person. Yeah. From 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 being a a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so I I really have to say like you know that this this everything that Cle- that happened to Cleo is 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 very sad. And the mm-hmm. thing is that the sadness resonates to to the audience that is watching the film. At least that's um, how I felt. I know that you felt the same way. Yeah. Uh, and Cuaron did did an amazing job with that. So, so Rengo, I, I I've mentioned my scene. You know, I mentioned mm-hmm. my two scenes. Well, you mentioned one of them, but I, I added another one. Um. So, what what in this film? What are like the scenes or or the other topics that touch up with the other characters around Cleo that that gave you that like shock. I uh, I really enjoyed going back a little bit to the to the sound design. I really enjoyed the sound design. I feel like it was very expertly handled because of what I mentioned. I like the idea that okay, the film is not a very talky movie. It's more of an experience, and I feel the cinematography mixed together with the sound mixing creates this idea of this lived in world right so the cinematography as well the way it's shot is very purposeful and i enjoy it a lot because although we are following cleo's perspective and that's kind of undeniable uh i do like the sense that it almost feels like this is a bad example but i think i'll I'll get my point across with it it feels like you're watching a security camera it's a little bit detached for the most part there's specific moments where you have a sense of closeness to the characters. There's some level of close-ups, medium shots that, you know, are very purposeful and specific to what the emotion is being brought on the scene. But a lot of the scenes are very detached, very further away. Um, and they're there to kind of like record what's happening. I also like the idea of memory. The film is essentially, you know, if you're being very, very cruel to this movie, you could just say, oh, the movie is just a bunch of scenes. It kind of is, but it has a purpose because Mm -hmm. that's how that's how you remember things in your past, like in in your past. You remember them as little moments. And I feel the movie bathed in this black and white aesthetic is trying to evoke this feeling of memory. This feeling of just moments in your past in your or in your past that you're trying to remember. You remember just specific things in a very fuzzy way. And I think the movie ever like evokes that feeling very, very well. Obviously, the cinematography is very picturesque. A lot of them feel feels like paintings you'd see at a museum, which is very, it's very beautiful. Um the use of panning shots, which happens a lot in the house. I also feel it, it evokes that feeling of what I said, like like a security camera, because it's just lingering around the room as as Cleo is doing her day to day. And it's interesting because she sometimes dips in and out of in and out of frame. But the camera is not very preoccupied if the subject is in frame. A lot of films are very preoccupied that you know you keep following the character. You don't you don't let the character go off frame. That's that's like essentially a wrong thing to do in cinematography but Coron is not really sometimes he's not really um he doesn't care too much about that he just cares about creating the ambiance so he's willing to let that forego for a little bit so you get a sense of the scope that he's trying to bring to the piece um i guess the scene that i like the most is this little moment where she went off, Cleo. She went off to find uh, her boyfriend. Um, I think he's called uh, Fermin. Yes, Fermin. 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 So he go, he, she goes to find him, like you said. It probably took like half a day to get to him. And there's this little segment of this guy who's teaching these people, like, I guess it was like yoga stances or something, like breathing exercises, some, some specific yeah. stances. It was really beautiful that she was the only one that maintained a perfect balance and everyone was trying to create this balance but the sad part and this is the part that was kind of beautiful everyone has their eyes closed so no one saw 
that she was the only one that could do it. Yeah. So, and, and I think that represents a lot of the film. Cleo is a special person, but for the most part, she's never acknowledged for all the things that make her special. And it's not dismissing of what Sophia and her family bring to her because obviously they care for her a lot. But we got to understand that Cleo is a maid. And these things sometimes are taken for granted. She helps a lot in this house, but the family takes it as something that well, she gets paid for. So, you know, it's like it just happens. She just takes care of the of the house. She cleans the clothes. She cooks the food. It's just it's just a thing that she does. And sure, they might say thank you. Thank you for the food. Thank you for that. But it's just these things that make her unique, make her special, make her some someone worthwhile. She it, it, it brings her it, it makes her a whole human being. But everyone just has her eyes closed around her. And it's almost dismissive of what makes Cleo Cleo. And I think that scene shows that she is a she's a very fascinating person. She's a very unique person. She's very special. But it almost feels like no one cares enough to get to know her, which is mm -hmm. very sad. Um, yeah, I think that's my favorite scene when I think about it. And those are some of the themes that I some of the themes that I really enjoy from the film. There's so many more, of course. Um, what do you, I know it's a little divisive and I had mm -hmm. this, this dialogue with my friend who's, you know, the, the guy I collaborate with as a, as a filmmaker, yeah. he doesn't really enjoy this movie. And we fought, okay. we fought on this movie a lot. And he came with this idea of privilege. And I know it's a little, you know, Twitter, wokey, whatever, but I feel okay. like there's some merit to it. And I, it made me see the film in a different light a little bit. I still love the film, but it's understandable that, like I previously said, she is a maid. She's darker skinned. She is taking care of this white skinned people. And it's also, uh, I mean, Cuarón, he did a fantastic job with this film, but it's also coming from a lens of privilege to some degree. He's painting this fantastical story, this harrowing tale of this very sweet maid and this very sweet family that takes care of her and they give her money and they support her, which sounds, sounds beautiful, but that's not the case all the time. And I'm not saying that, you know, maids don't get paid or maids have horrific uh, states of living. But some of them, you know, they don't have their best life. Some families mm -hmm. are cruel to their maids, are cruel to the people that are servants to the house because they think of them as lesser. Yeah. And Cuarón, again, he did a formidable job portraying this harrowing story of Cleo. This very powerful, empowering story. But it could be bathed, you know, the path, like, like, you, like people say, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. And while it's nice to see the story being told, we cannot deny that is it truly the life that Cuaron lived? Is this the life that he wishes that he lived? Is this the life that the family gave to the maid that he probably had? Or is this the life that in retrospect he wishes would have been the life of the maid that he had? So what do you think about that element of privilege in the film? That obviously is not a, a, a strict theme in the movie, but in yeah. retrospect, you can consider that it's it's bathed in in that privilege. So putting you putting that that in perspective, it it, it does kind of, yeah, you can see it because because when you when you sit down and you want to analyze the family, yeah, whatever when when father was still there. Whatever the kids want, they would have gotten. Um, there actually there is a scene that you can see it very, very um, specifically when when the kids are um, about to get breakfast, or I think no, they were coming back from school. Uh, they they like they like this this specific. I think it's a candy, and one of the kids, I think it was um, Pepe, was saying. 
was it i think it was pepe i don't remember mm -hmm. but i think it was uh pepe saying oh um but Paco is not not sharing with me. And then his grandmother said, don't worry about it because there's a full box of the same candy. Exactly. Yeah. With your name in the, in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And then you do see it uh, because because you say middle class in Mexico in 1970s, middle class back in the day, back in those times were people that uh, had like they didn't drive Mercedes, but they did drive like um, expensive cars. That's one of the things that that you notice as well. Father has a sports car, a sporty car. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. It's it's not like the like it's it's not a Camaro, but it is the most expensive sports car in Mexico. You know, um, mm -hmm. you see the mother. Mother it. Mother, I think she is. She is she studied to be a chemist, if I'm not mistaken. I think but so. She's, yeah. uh, but she's a, a, a teacher. Yeah. So it shows you that oh, father wins a lot of money. I don't have to work a lot. I can mm -hmm. just have this minimal job and my kids go to school and that's it. Yep. You know, so you do see it. Putting it in the point that 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 you mentioned to me um in a backstage that this is like Guaron's like um, life, you know, putting yeah. his life in a film. I, I can say, yeah, probably, mm -hmm. probably you can have those conclusions where maybe he is trying to show the the world um, what could have been if mm -hmm. they would have treated his his maid differently, or if this is how they treated. Um, his made uh, in in real in real time, you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because it is true. Not 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 all maids uh, are, are treated, treated well. equally. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, there is. I'm gonna give you an example. Yeah. So you you know that there's this uh, the the new series Chucky. Yeah. So the second episode, the maid dies, mm. and there's this. There's this um, scene that the police is asking uh, the kid's parents, oh, uh, what's her next of kin? Um, no. We don't know. I think it was us. But oh, but she, she's been with us for so long. We, she, she, we were the, her family. Okay, so where does she live? And they do not know. Yeah. Uh, does she have another family member that we can call? Uh, I think I do, but I don't know. I think he lives in Chicago. So there you see the big example that not not even though maids might be treated well, that does mm -hmm. not mean that the family knows. In this movie, uh, they show us that that the family does care. Yeah. You know, that the family does care fully because you see that connection that Sophia sees with Cleo with the kids. Mm -hmm. And not only and not only that, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, the beach, the vacation. Yep. Let's talk about the vacation. So you see Cleo trying to not think about what happened before mm -hmm. uh, about the baby, about everything that that fell through her on top of her all this weight. Yeah. If it would have been another person, when the kids. When when Sophia told the kids, "Hey, don't go farther to the beach, because you will, you you might drown. The beach is a little rough today." Kids don't listen, and then Cleo, that does not know how to sleep, uh, not sleep, um, does not know how to swim. Yeah, that she does mention it like three scenes, um, before the beach. Mm -hmm. She goes ahead and saves the kids. Yeah. Risking her life and the kids' lives. So so you do see that this family is uh, very jointly together. And then that 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 scene where they're all hugging each other because of what happened. And you feel you feel that the family has this this they're they're not just only a maid working for a family. This is a whole family. Yeah, you know, 
And but going back to to what you mentioned, yes, I I think that there th- this movie could be a lot of conclusions. You know, mm-hmm. now 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 I, I now I'm curious. Like I just want to sit down with Quarong. I'm like, hey, so. I got a question for you. <laughs> Is this your life story? <laughs> Did this actually happen? It's a little bit of there. It's a little bit of you real know. life peering in in the movie. I yeah. I believe the film towards the the end, right when they're at the beach and she's crying. Did she not say that she confessed that she didn't want the baby to be born? Right, that happened I at the end. So I, I think so. She did, yes, yes. Which is, it's a very tough thing to say because usually, you know, when you deal with these subject matters, you don't then have the mother, the potential mother, go on and say, "Oh, I, I'm actually happy that I didn't, you know, I didn't have the baby," because that's really tough to say, which. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for Cleo because obviously she was very unprepared throughout the whole narrative. So there's always this. There's also this element of inexperience, and it's also kind of almost ironic to to a point where you have these these general the generation of mothers, right? Mm-hmm. And you have the 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 Sophia, right, the mother of the family, and yeah. sure she knows how to take care of her family but the one who really takes care of it is cleo yet cleo feels ill-prepared to take care of her, of an actual kid that would be her own so it's interesting how there's this sort of disconnect where you're willing to take care of, of someone that's not in your bloodline you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting how there's the abandonment abandonment of parents of fathers and and boyfriends and the male figure and there's also the disconnect of of the mother and how mothers here are there but they're not ever present and they're substituting mothers with other caretakers who can do a good job taking care of this of of their siblings and their children but it'll never be the same as a mother taking care of their children so mm-hmm. what do you think about a movie dealing with a family, but this family being so broken and so disconnected throughout the whole narrative? That it's uh, what I think is that you see, because, okay, so this, when you see the film, you do see that you do notice that there is a big disconnection between mm-hmm. th- the three kids and their mother. Um, they don't have that, this, that, major disconnection with the grandmother because the grandmother at least knows what they like because you see it through through the film uh but you do notice that the mother does not know that much Mm -hmm. of of her kids but cleo but cleo that it's the inexperienced mother and that it's a that that in the movie it's going she's going to be a mother that when you talk about when you talk about that portion of inexperience you'd notice that even more closer to the start of the film when when you see cleo and the boyfriend run off of not watching the film yeah. to to have intercourse and you do notice that 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 scene does not last nothing yeah you 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 do feel that oh it's like what a two two minute a two minute session mm-hmm. and then you see you see Furman um showing off his ninja turtle moves yeah. uh naked because yeah. I don't know why we had him in full screen. I felt like I was watching Watchmen again. Um yeah. <laughs> but instead of blue it's black and white. <laughs> yeah. Um and you see that inexperience once again because then you have that inexperience. And immaturity too. Immaturity. Exactly. And immaturity. Yeah. You know, you have all of that in in in, in throughout the film. And then mm-hmm. every this is what, what I at least noticed a lot is that every time that a big mistake happened yeah. or a big like let's call it a smack in the face yeah. to the family or to the characters around it, that's when they like have that snap. Where, mm-hmm. oh, um, yeah, we we're supposed to be doing this instead. 
-hmm. And you see that even in the conversations when they go to the to the Christmas party. Yeah. Because you see the mother having this conversation with with like her family members and then she has this little fling with um I I don't know who the guy is but the fling with the with the with the guy and and you see the conversations are like they're telling her like uh, you don't need your husband. Mm -hmm. You know while while you're at home or not that much at home because you work he's he's fooling around with somebody else yeah you know and then she gets that that little click in her mind like okay i really don't need my husband i can move on with my with my kids and then she takes that decision like hey we're gonna take this vacation and from this vacation we're gonna work ourselves to move um so you see that disconnection from the start to the to the end and mm-hmm. I, I for i guess at least that it's something that is really i'm not going to say that it's something that you see a lot yeah. but it it is something that it's common you can yeah. notice it a lot when you go to to for example i'm going to give an example i do have uh i do have family that they are um wealthy Mm-hmm. And sometimes in their family gatherings, uh, I go to the family gatherings with with my mom, and you do notice, you do notice that there are some kids in the ambiance mm-hmm. that don't connect with their with their parents. Yeah, because they have a, a caretaker, or or they are or their parents are mostly working mm-hmm. so i do see it like i do see that that in this film but in throughout the film you do at you do as well see how they mold mm-hmm. each and one of them you know kids with cleo cleo with sophia sophia with the whole family how they how they turn all this negativity Mm-hmm. And and make it to to like oh okay so we're going to be a functional uh, a pseudo functional family yeah and <laughs> you know do you, would you consider because I I remember reading this for my I think a review mm-hmm. would you almost consider this relationship to be parasitic and I say this because I, I'm I'm really gonna read this little section from a review yeah the film's most famous image in which Sophia and her children heap like wet sand to Cleo after her life-saving act, which is the poster of the movie, Mm -hmm. looks a lot like entrapment. Cleo is their pillar of strength, yet she is completely overcome by them. Guarón himself has said that embrace is as much a a hug as a cage. So it's interesting to kind of like, right? We romanticize this whole movie and how beautiful it is, but you can also see the... There's there's a tinge of cruelness to it because since Cleo's acting as this proxy mother, she's almost indebted to make sure that these kids have a good life. But it's also parasitical because they in turn need her to be able to be in order to be basically functional. Because as you've mentioned before, there's a disconnect in this family and they're all held together by cheap glue thanks to Cleo and her acts and and her and how she helps around the house and how she basically is this surrogate mother that Sophia is not so would you argue that they have almost a parasitical relationship to kind of like de- demystify a little bit the romanticized element that the, f- the film has you know what yeah. analyzing now the film and the things that happen mm-hmm. in the story, I have to agree. Yeah, I uh, guess there's something there. There's I mean, you, not 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 to take out from the film, exactly. but it's an interesting it's an interesting take. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is it is an interesting take. I'm not. It's like like you mentioned right now. It's not to remove what the film wants to show us, mm-hmm. but there is there is that aspect as well. I actually yeah. didn't thought about it, but wow, like, it, yeah, you can see it because mm-hmm. anything that happened to one of the kids, 
Sofia would be like Cleo attend um Pepe or yeah. or Paco. Paco. Yeah. Um anything that happened like something broke because the one of the kids tripped or something, Cleo clean and and put them to bed. Yeah. Cleo is the one that reads to them. So yeah, there is that parasitic like relationship where mother does not want to do anything yeah. um except like be there when it's something that she can control. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I actually do see it. Like I'm not um not not kidding here. I do see it and it's really interesting to to put that in like in this film. Like it's yeah. it's really interesting having something having that and then you think overthinking it like oh god like mm-hmm. damn yeah it's like it's like that that previous episode man uh burning you yeah. can take so much things in in mm-hmm. these films like <laughs> jesus um <laughs> but i'm going to i'm going to tell you my favorite scene uh oh. it's a very simple scene uh mm-hmm. I, they don't there's no di- i think there is no dialogue in this scene but when they are in when they go to the christmas um to see their families yes you know that there's this whole scene that it's like on a big um plateau that everybody's yeah. like just walking mm-hmm. so do you see one of the kids following like a big big iguana yeah i love that scene so much but it's because how how quarong put the full shot with you, where you can see everybody Mm-hmm. but as well appreciate the kid enjoying nature yeah you know mm-hmm. so so it was um it, it that that is one of the scenes that i really did love a lot you know for me it was very simple but i think that it 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 had that meaning where where what i wanted to show us uh a slice of life you know, mm-hmm. you have you have all of the adults doing their, you know, having their conversation and everything. And then you have that innocence of a child because he saw this creature or this animal just roaming around, minding yeah. his own business. And it, it and it was really nice. It was really nice. Yeah. Well, what are you do you have any final thoughts on the movie? So final thoughts about Roma. Uh, I would recommend everybody to watch it. Um, it's it's how can i say i, I don't want to say it's a slow burn because it's is really not um mm-hmm. it does start really slow but from the from moving from the first act to the second it gets it gets it, it intensifies so yeah. i do recommend this film 100% and um it's available on netflix because this is a a netflix film so i do yeah. recommend it great film if you want something that it's like uh how do you say uh, that once your your mind to think about many other things this is a film for you yeah i uh i also loved it i i brought i bought the criterion when when it was announced uh i love that netflix has specific films that they're bringing to criterion because i believe yeah. it's it's very it's it's very interesting because I always get scared with the idea of streaming services because, you know, if some apocalyptic event ended up happening where we lose the internet, all these films and TV shows would just disappear into the ether and we would have nothing tangible to remember them by. So I do appreciate a lot that certain specific films that that Netflix has released throughout the years get a Criterion release. The ones that they deem to be very culturally significant, which is the thesis of the Criterion films unto themselves. So I do appreciate that they do that. So I obviously, I bought Roma the first moment it was announced. Um, it was released, I'm sorry. I I mean, it's, it's phenomenally acted. The sound design is so good. Like if you had really good, uh, a really good sound system, you will appreciate that beautiful, intricate sound because he worked so hard on that sound. And it's it's like a very lived-in world. You can hear the whistles. You can hear the wind blowing. You can hear the sand. You can hear all these textures as you're seeing them on screen. It's very beneficial that it's in black and white because you can feel the different shades of shadows. You can feel the clothing. You can feel a lot of elements. They're very tangible in this film. Um, the cinematography, it's... It's very, 
very simple, but it's very effective. It's very picturesque. It's a little detached, but I feel like it's purposeful, even though we always follow the perspective of Cleo. But having these long takes work expertly in this film because everything feels more real because of it. There's not a lot of cuts. Mm-hmm. And you feel that you're living in the moment with these characters and everything that's happening is very grounded and very real because you can't look away because it's just it's 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 forcing you to be conscious of what you're seeing. It's it's almost like um how would you say uh it's basically telling you like you have to see this, like you have to be cautious, you can't look away, you can't be on your phone. You have to be watching every inch of this frame because every inch of this frame has meaning if you're looking for it, you know? Uh, I feel like the movie has a lot of themes to explore. We mm-hmm. touched on some of them, but I'm pretty yeah. sure our, our listeners could think of way more that we didn't even fathom. Um, you know, the... the, the, the not not of, only that, I yeah. think that if... I think if we would have done like we did for for burning i think we'd be would listeners would be like oh my god these people talk for like three hours <laughs> yeah exactly but uh you know like we, we 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 touch on some stuff and i feel like obviously there's a lot more to touch upon but i feel like it's it's an expertly expertly made film i think it's quite on quite on's best uh i think it's a film that's gonna stand the test of time yes i won yes, it, will. it won I believe it won Best Foreign Film the year it was nominated. It did not win Best Film, which at that point I thought it would have, but then it didn't because we weren't at that stage where the Oscars would give movies, would make, would give um, Best Picture um, awards to films that won already in the, in the international category. And then we had Parasite, which is very hilarious. But I feel like Roma would have preceded it if the Oscar voters weren't scared of doing that decision. Not that I care about the Oscars, but it would have been kind of interesting. But I feel like it's going to be a film that's going to stand the test of time. It was expertly handled. On a technical level, it's majestic. I know, you know, you could argue it's a little bit slow, but I feel like every scene is methodical and is reflective. And even though they might not be talking, there's something happening in the scene that's going to grab your attention, either as a metaphor, as a theme, as an idea being explored in the frame. So there is something to behold in this movie. And I feel like people should give it a chance if they haven't already. If you're interested in in the guy who did The Prisoner of Azkaban, well, look no further than Roma. Exactly. So... Um, so Rengo, so this is uh, going to be the uh, next episode. So this is uh, the long-awaited episode that people have been, our yeah. listeners have been waiting. So Rengo, where can people find you? Well, you can find me here. Subtitles required, where we take a little bit of time. We're episode for when when you know when we do them, we do them right. You know, we do them correct. Um, we also hang out at Cardboard Cave every every Friday. Uh, I think it's eight, right? Eight, eight, eight thirty or eight thirty, eight thirty, eight thirty. Uh, we are also hanging out with the movie guy with Omar, Oscar, Melly, Jan, all these people, beautiful people, talking about movies, talking about movie news, talking about the stuff we saw on the weekend. You can also find me in Cinemas Podcast, where my last episode at the time of this recording was Halloween Kills, which wasn't the best film in the world, but my friends wanted to talk about it. So we dissected the film and then we started dissecting a little bit of the franchise and the slasher genre onto itself. And, you know, finally, you can find me in XV and Richport. I hang out at After School Club and I hang out with Cine Nerds. And yeah. You can also find me and Google me. Google my name because I make movies. What about you, John? Where can the people find you? Well, you can find me here at Subtitles Required as well. And um, not only there, you can find me every uh, Monday and Wednesday at my uh, stream here at Big Boss 117PR as well um, with um, The Movie Guy. I do have my own show there as well where I go ahead and destroy video game movies I talk about the good and the bad and how it worked and how it didn't work. Last episode is already up. Uh, it's me talking about um, Alicia Vikander's uh, 
film doing Lara Croft as the Tomb Raider. Uh, I really did that movie. That episode is really good. Uh, you will see, um, you can see it in the Facebook page and in YouTube as well, and you can listen it to it as well. Plus, at Cardboard Cave, we talk about Magic Gathering goodies and um, crazy things that happen at Wizard of the Coast. And I think, let me see, am I missing something? I think so. Um, I think I have everything covered. Um, what about CDPR? Oh, right, 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 right. So I still don't know if I'm going to be appearing to, on Saturday's episode. I don't think Angelo is going to be doing an episode. But uh, I did. Be, be, I was with Angelo in, in his show talking about K-dramas. I talk about um, Squid Game. And missing the other side is two K dramas. One of them, I know that whoever's listening to this, I know that you watch Squid Squid Game. So, oh, yeah. um, but the other one, the other one is really good. Um, if you guys want to listen to it or see it, just go to CinePR at Facebook, and probably you'll see me in future episodes with Angelo talking about Korean drama. So, guys, we will see you in the next one, and the next one will be the movie um your name that i know that all of you love that movie oh yeah